When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Man, they're trying to stop Joe from getting himself into further trouble. That's not a bad ball for Pelly on the right side. It's Carlos Alberto. And what a great goal that was! Carlos Alberto! Maradona just walked away from Huddle then. Maldonado. Welcome back to the Scoreless Thriller podcast. We're going to be doing a bit of a review and a wrap up of the first round of the Euros today and then also kind of looking forward to the fixtures. But we're delighted to be joined again by Sebastian from Campfire Football. Thank you so much for waking up so early and talking to me again. Oh, well, you know, I, I, what I told you, I would actually do this an hour earlier than right now so that we could actually be watching the Finland-Russia game as it's going because that's being played at the moment. Um, yeah, no, I had to get a proper night's sleep so <laughs> we're, we're doing this now but this is i mean this is when i wake up every day for this this is what's so exciting about the euros is you know you have that daily schedule right it's just like the world cup it's like three a day mm. i know exactly what i'm doing with my morning so i wake up at about you know 6 a.m here i start watering my garden make myself coffee and just get ready for three matches back to back to back right that's that's my life right now yeah. and, yeah, the then funny, I do, and then i do coaching was, was, in the evening with yeah. some with some players but that's, that's yeah i had the situation now. yesterday where i was like looking at the schedule and then wait wait, where's the third match <laughs> 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 who stole it from me what am i gonna do with this time now who stole it from me that's the you, you, you have that day where there's you go three 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 and then two you're like this isn't there i'm being betrayed here one day there's that one day where there's four all at separate time slots there's uh, always yes, like, one day no, okay and and then and then there's four a day but they're at the two same at the same time two at the same time but i think there's one day where there's four and they're at, at different time slots i remember in russia that, that that was one thing i was remember there's one day in the group stage where it was just like from beginning to end it's just it's four games in a day you can't ask for more football than that and so i think that we have that on the schedule um i think it's the last round the last set of games in the second round of first round yeah before the yeah maybe before they start doubling up yeah maybe it's sunday i'm not sure 
I mean, it might be one of the one of the days this weekend. But it's but, a beautiful uh, bonanza. It's yeah. <laughs> How have you found the tournament so far? What games have you particularly enjoyed? Obviously, Germany France was kind of last night, and that was kind of viewed beforehand as like the big game of the first round. Yeah. Well, I'll start with that because you just brought it up. I actually thought that that was probably the most interesting game to watch uh the france germany game because of the level of quality that both teams had i mean there were moments where if the if the defense and the midfield were not in really perfect organization either team could have in two or three passes and a couple good runs could have cut through each other so they were in a sense cagey but there's also so much technical quality on the ball from both teams that the whole game just looked slick. And I, I thought that, that was um, nice to finally see the highest level, the highest bar. I think that was the highest bar set so far. Um, the most exciting game was uh, Holland against, what was it? It's Ukraine. That's right, yeah. Ukraine. That was the most fun in terms For of sure. just, you know, um, an all-out battle with both teams really involved from my perspective. And then th there's always games where someone's trying to punch above their weight that are really fun. I thought the North Macedonia, Austria game was really exciting. Yeah. Right. Just for Goran Pandev. Was that I saw <laughs> someone put up a thing that said that Goran Pandev is now the <laughs> oldest and oldest and youngest goal scorer for North Macedonia at 37. <laughs> so yeah, those are great stories. Yeah. And I, I thought that game was a lot of fun because the goals were actually really good as well. And now I just just before we started, I read that Marko Arnautovic has received a one match ban for his celebration. Oh, okay. I don't I... know if you were did you see what he did? He was I mean, he racially slurring against the basically. Yeah, apparently. yeah. He did. Yeah. He did the. He did this the, symbol, which it, I think here means asshole. I don't really know. I, I think you know. I'm not sure what how far he went beyond that, but it looked. I mean, he was having very strong words for whoever it was he was talking to, and then they said, yeah, it had to do with a racial rant sort of against albanians which is yeah very, yeah like, he was calling them um effing effing albanians. yeah but if you also watch the footage he you can see he's shouting and alibi is like trying to clench yeah. his you know with yeah yeah no that was that was a, that was a tough one also I, I remember the commentary no one really knew what this all was about and it was like a bit of an awkward side because the this symbol surely also has another political meaning which would fit more into the kind of right wing slurs so yeah yeah i mean i would imagine it doesn't mean the same thing everywhere so that's that's the way hand gestures work right so <laughs> i saw that i was like Man, this guy's got something to say. I mean, he was not on the field very long. How do you generate that much beef with a center back in like 12 <laughs> minutes? I don't know. Like, uh, I'd be surprised, I think, playing against Marco Arnautovic. I have a feeling that... Uh, <laughs> I know, that, but <laughs> so that, was, that was interesting, though. I mean, I, what I love is that this is what these international tournaments bring out of players, is that sort of level of raw intensity yeah. um, and passion. I think what I saw yesterday from Hungary after the game uh all together with their hands on their hearts singing the national anthem with like that massive stand of fans mm -hmm. uh, it was lovely to see really great so this is the thing is all, there, there's moments every day that are they're beautiful i don't know we, what, what were what are some of the moments that you guys have just been like okay this is this is great 
Yeah, I think some of them have been slightly unsung. Like, I think a lot of people complained about the Sweden versus Spain game because it was kind of basically an attack versus defense game. But some of the kind of like body on the line, sort of Sweden defending and them defending with like 15% of possession and then just desperately hanging on. And then also how they had the chance to win it as well. I thought that was that game. Like, like if Berg, I don't have Berg misses that oh, chance. No. Right? That's... But like that one, that one I really enjoyed too. And then like, like they said, the Hungary Portugal game yesterday, I like really enjoyed just because the whole atmosphere around it was like home game and they were like, battling so hard but then still sometimes causing Portugal problems on the, on the break and just when you, when you thought okay Portugal are really Portugal are really getting frustrated and they might actually like lose this and then they get the goal and then it kind of all crumbles and it's like okay like no, normal service is resumed but like for that brief period where you thought okay wow Hungary might do something really special here and what I mean it was not until I actually heard Jose Mourinho talk about this that I found out that Portugal are playing all three of their group stage matches not just away from home, but at the home of the opponent. So they played in Budapest. They're going to play in Paris, and they're going to play in Munich. Yeah, that's that's really. I mean, that it's a bizarre thing to happen, right? And I, I always I was wondering about how much of a mess it must have been to structure the tournament with all these cities and all these mm. teams, and then the groups get set the way they do. How do you do this so you avoid that? I well, I think like, the thing was that there was. So I just take the example of like Ireland was supposed to be uh, twinned with Spain so that we would have two home games and they would have two home games. So you'd like have two host cities. And then, but what's happened is some cities have lost their hosting rights because not being able to live up to some, I think this one had like 12,000 in the stadiums at least or something. So then those, those cities have lost it. So they've sort of like had to kind of throw a bit of it together and it's been a bit. But I I mean, but I was wondering, generally, also with the setup, I was wondering for the teams themselves, does it, whether it feels weird. Because surely part of the tournament, yours usually, is that you go to a different location and then you, you know, on the hotel together, you build kind of this dynamics within the team. And that's kind of part of this whole experience. And whether missing this now, since you've got like loads of home games for some of the teams, other teams you're going all around Europe the whole time, whether that meddles a bit with this tournament feeling. But also, like Wales are based in Baku, like like must feel they must feel like almost like a world away. Like they've got their two games in Baku, and then I think they finished with the the game against Italy in Rome. But um, I think, I mean, for them it must feel slightly weird, like they're playing in this kind of quite empty stadium against the uh, against Switzerland, right? And then like they had the 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 first if they had the game against Switzerland, yeah. right? And now they have the game Turkey against Turkey now, yeah. in Baku as well. So that's kind of yeah a pretty interesting experience. But what about you, Leon? What game or some moments have you particularly enjoyed? I mean, not so much the game last night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I thought about the match last night because I'm I'm a, I'm a German, and um, it was an interesting one because I feel like tactically it was incredibly high the level, and also the ease with which everyone was passing the ball around yeah, was 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 stunning. But um, I talked about this at, in our pod earlier that I was a bit fearful of uh, Jogi Löw, the, the German coach, just trying to press the tactical idea he has been um, following for the last years uh, onto this new team um, where, where some of the new players have come in. And I feel like that's very much happened, where, where control of the game is sacrificed for creativity. And so there were, there were a bit... Um, 
spikeless in the last third of of of, of the pitch. I felt. Um, so yeah, I was that, that was my that was my analysis of of the game yeah. yesterday. R- Rudiger didn't lack bite though. No, no, no. He was. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was wondering what this was all about because you tee them up and I'll knock them away. Because he was he was having a chat with with Pogba afterwards, right? And it, it, <laughs> yeah, it yeah, looked like okay. they were getting along. Um, yeah, sorry for trying to take a bit out of your back for. <laughs> But 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 every, like also everyone in German TV, they were like, "What was this about? Was it like a friendly gesture? <laughs> was it like <laughs> we, we one? We one. Well, the way the way Pogba reacted after it, it's it didn't like he went like this. He pointed in his ear, yeah. which meant talk to your official because. So going on. essentially, Pogba was essentially asking for them to check I, it. I know. Then if they, yeah. I, which is, I mean, it. it Here's the thing. I'm a Chelsea fan. I can tell you right now, one thing we all know about Antonio Rudiger is he's a little, he's got a screw loose and that's what makes him a good center back. But yeah. the guy's definitely got a screw loose. He's, <laughs> he's, uh, I think he does things at times that you're like, what, what, why, why do you need to go and dominate physically against somebody? You're fine. You know, I, I will say this about the, that game is from the German perspective, this was, I mean, I cannot think of a single person who gave them much of a chance uh, at all of winning this game. Yeah. In the lead up, I heard everyone lazily saying, France by a country mile, clearly. I mean, the idea that France are going to beat Germany by a country mile ever. No, no, no. These two teams are, th- that they're better than that. And what I thought was actually interesting, you look at it and this France team is such a well-oiled machine. It's the same coach now for, you know, five years at least, I think it is. And there's a huge amount of continuity. There's the buy-in for doing what the coach asks with that France team is at the highest level you can ask. So these games are defined by moments and Paul Pogba's pass to pick out Lucas Hernandez. And then just the threat that killing Mbappe, yeah. I think, Benzema showed why what, what what's been missing, um, and then you have N'Golo Kante, and and then Rafael Varane and Kimpembe. I thought were spotless and perfect. And you, you have a team like that with a couple difference makers for Germany to lose one nil to the team that everyone thinks a is going to easily win the tournament, yeah. and that b Germany will definitely not advance. I think that's ridiculous. I mean, they're 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 a good team, but they're young, and I think Hansi Flick's actually really going to help definitely because. Maybe, maybe almost the best time. Let it go just a little stale, and then bring in Hansi Flick. Sort of, he can do his like repeat of what he did at Bayern. He took over a stale Nico Kovac yeah. operation, and yeah. So no, and still you have some continuity there too, right? Because he was the co-coach with uh, Löw for quite a while, so he knows the team. It's not like a completely new experiment where this also might backfire incredibly. Because he you knows his way around the, the the German team, so that's that's for sure. And then I mean, yeah, of course, the um, Netherlands Ukraine game was insane. Like that was that was yeah. definitely my my highlight because you had everything. You had the emotional roller coaster. You had beautiful goals. Um, it was very dynamic. Lots of chances left and right. So that was that was the beauty. How about your first taste of uh, Scottish heartbreak? Um... Leon went to watch this the Scotland Czech Republic game with two Scottish friends of ours in like a little fan village. Did you did you enjoy your first uh, 
taste of what it means to be a Scottish fan. Oh no, no, I did, no, I did. Everyone prepared me pretty, pretty well. Like <laughs> <laughs> as soon as soon um, as the Czech said the first corner, they were all like, "This is going to continue from now on. Like we'll just defend." And then everyone was really surprised at how things were going, which makes it even more bittersweet. Um, yeah, it's ah, <laughs> oh, you know, we we actually thought that there was something there, and then just this crushing. But also there, what a beautiful goal, right, by Czech. I mean. That, that that's one to be remembered just after midline he fires it all across <laughs> the pitch right into the goal uh, that, that that was a really good yeah. one uh, yeah no, that that goal is the, my highlight for the tournament so far not so much for the goal itself which is great but also for i'm not sure if you've seen this i'm um, stephen a smith of espn sort of renowned for his certain um you probably know this better than my Sylvester, sort of bombast and like very dramatic uh oh yeah description of some of this i'm just gonna play what what are you here maybe you oh please do <laughs> oh please do Stephen a is is so he's a character fun. leon that yeah, just he's kind of like his selling point is that he's you know a lot and then i'm just gonna play this and see. let me know if you can hear it okay yeah it's time for one of my favorite segments you know what it is ain't no way <laughs> these are moments that are sometimes successful sometimes not but ain't no way <laughs> they should have ever happened <laughs> This is a special one-play edition of Ain't No Way. You gotta check this out right here. This is Czech Republic taking on Scotland at Euro 2020. Patrick Schick launches a shot from just inside half field, and the ball flies over David Marshall for the goal. Show that player again, please. Show it right there. I mean, kicking it from halfway down the field. Take another look. Marshall's way out of his goal, and Schick takes advantage for a second goal of the game. Czech Republic go on to win. Two to nothing. Ain't no way! <laughs> Oh my did. goodness. It's brilliant. Yeah. That's why Euro 2020 is just so special right now. Nah, that's gold, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why it gets kind of weirdly sexual at the end. Like, I, I don't know why. Euro it's 2020. Stephen A. <laughs> Stephen A. The guy, look, Stephen A. Smith is a guy who, in the United States, you know, if especially in my time growing up, it's you used to see him all the time on ESPN because, you know, I mean, he was an anchor on there. He was a sports anchor and he did games and did different things, did different shows. But I think within the last four or five years, he was finally given like a status platform, like top status. Uh, he's the highest paid uh, sports anchor, I think, in the country. Um, and that was a big deal when a guy, well, you know, you have a, a black man becomes the highest paid sports anchor or like highest tv personality and it, that's a big deal and he is the guy who in my opinion what when i hear him talk i hear a just 1980s mc right like that early hip-hop i can dominate the mic i can say things i can say ain't no way and say it seven times in the same segment and still sound fly yeah right and yeah. that that's he he is in my opinion he's the embodiment of like what mcs were in the 80s and everything and just and also sort of how i mean that that style that sort of that I don't know, that demeanor is a huge core of what hip-hop music in the United States is. And so when you see this guy on TV, and they give him license to run because, yeah, the dynamism of his personality. And some of his segments are insane. And when he, it's fun to hear him talk about this because you know you can – you're like, you're out of your depth. You don't really know much of what you're talking about. 
but you're br- but you're bringing the energy right yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. me as a man i like i hear it i'm like oh man you're one of those people who sounds like this with this accent but you don't really know what you're talking about when it comes to this but hey he, he brings it so and that is a excellent clip by the way that's that's terrific mm-hmm. well done to play that awesome. <laughs> really enjoy that okay let's talk about briefly about a couple of other games so italy kicked off the tournament and everyone kind of said they're quite impressive do you think that they have the potential to kind of go quite far again or do you think it was more that turkey were particularly bad well i th- and i haven't this is the one thing that i didn't do mostly because of the way third place um the fact that four third place teams go through overall means it makes it's it so hard to, to make predict a chart of where what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Italy, from what I understand, if they win their group and, and other things go the way they're supposed to, they they could have a relatively easy run just to the semifinal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's interesting because I don't I think Italy are a team that is built to beat anyone beneath them in quality. Um not spectacularly necessarily not you know like what we saw against turkey they're good enough to keep the ball they have class players and i'm assuming that they're going to come with that same passion even if they're not playing at home right i i you you, i I have a feeling that italy are especially now you set the tone with a 3-0 win at the beginning now the the, the energy that comes with being at a major tournament and having a set goal at the end becomes a lot clearer for them. So, I mean, I don't think Italy are going to win the competition because I, I think they lack those players that will win you the game. I think we watched, we saw that yesterday with France and Germany. If France did not have special players, I don't think they really win that game. I think that's a nil-nil draw, one-one draw. It's yeah. Mm. So yeah, but there was definitely the difference, right? They have the playmakers. They've got like Mbappe. He'll just run away from you, and then he'll score. Yeah, so, we, we, and I feel like Deschamps' system isn't particularly complicated. It just sort of like relies and knows that. He, they've got the players that I, even in the second half where France was quite, quite happy to have Germany that Germany have the ball they were just you know one Mbappe just needs to get one counter attack right and Hummels get the wrong side Ooh, but then, this slide yeah. from Hummels we haven't talked oh, about this oh, it's, it's, it's so good. Good. this was one of the moments like of this tournament too <laughs> what a tackle. like what a tackle also the boards sort of like... to, to, to do this tackle like you know because he could he he scored his own goal like he could have completely destroyed the match if he gets a red card there and there's a penalty kick but that he still does it insane so much kudos i mean that he tried yeah because because when you look at the slow motion replay he, he gets his leg through mbappe's I legs know. to touch the ball i mean that that is as risky as can as be I mean, I'm glad they didn't call a penalty because I think you, you see that tackle in the Premier League this past season. VAR ponders over for ages, and someone says, "Yeah, well, there was contact." Yeah, and then all of a sudden it's. I, I I have to say something that has not been talked about a whole lot, but the officiating has been at the highest level I've ever seen. I, agree. I don't. I I have not had a genuine issue with any decision. No. There's some that I don't agree with. But like, for instance, um, the red card for Paul. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. Krakowiak. Krakowiak. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, I don't really think so. The penalty yesterday for Portugal, again, I don't really agree. But there's not much wrong with no. the decision in the first place. On top of that, things have been dealt with quickly. Um, VAR is a big example of that, I think. Like, just I, the quickness compared to the five minutes with the Premier Exactly. Oh and it's gosh. more in the flow. It's, yeah, I 100% agree. Yeah. And uh, also, uh, again, if, if you watch the Premier League, and this is a, something that I have against a lot of people who only watch the Premier League, is that people say it's the most physical league in the world, the referees let the game go. Not true. I think over the last two years that I've been watching, I think the uh, Premier League has become a league where more fouls are called and more yellow cards are given for small infractions than in almost any other league I see. It, I think if you want to see a league where VAR is actually being done quite well, and I'm, I'm not saying perfect, but it's in the United States. And it's because Howard Webb is actually the guy in charge of VAR in the United States. And one of the big things that they say is, we want to let the game go, and we really want to stick with referee decisions. So if, if they make a call, if it's not a clear and obvious mistake, we're not yeah. overturning it. And they really do stick with the clear and obvious. There's yeah. some calls that you're like, what? You're like, well, I guess in the moment he saw that. All right, let's move on. <laughs> it's clear, it's but it's not obvious. It's kind of nice to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. You don't get both words. You got to get clear <laughs> and obvious. Double down on it. But I, I, I have to say, the officiating has been excellent. It's been nice to not talk about, you know, referee controversy yeah. every single match. And to watch games continue and to watch players go down, look for a foul, look at the referee, and the referee's like, no. But that's what I like so much. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, love it. Because also that's how they create, how they let the flow of a game evolve and develop throughout the match. I 100% I, I agree. Super nice. And also, I feel like with a few f f former tournaments, sometimes whole matches have been spoiled by decisions of refereeing. And then you only talked about these ones. None, none, none have, of these matches have occurred so far. Like, very good. Mm -hmm. But to bring it back to Italy, I think that's exactly what Italy is missing. The Mbappes uh, on the Pogba's in the, that, that can yeah. drive the ball forward in the last third of the pitch. Um, but of course, solid rock, solid defending. So. Mm -hmm. One thing I would say is I feel like Mancini is probably a pretty good coach at this tournament level, and I think a lot of these big team, big teams have like some questions about their coaches, like and about their abilities to drive the team. And I feel like in a one-off knockout game, Mancini can probably set up the team for 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 a big win. But I just want to briefly talk about two big games this weekend, and then we'll then we'll finish up. Just the on Friday, the England-Scotland game. From what you've seen, Sebastian, do you think the Scots have much of a chance? Well, I mean, look, the, they were really unlucky yeah. against the Czech Republic. Yeah. Um, and I say unlucky in the sense that they did everything right. They didn't do much wrong. Yeah. But they didn't do anything exceptional. And Patrick Schick did. And so that, that, that was the difference in the game. Uh... I said in one of my episodes, Andy Robertson needed to score that opportunity he had in the early stages of the game. That's a big chance. It's a big chance. And the thing that I said is that, look, like at Liverpool, you're going to get loads of those in a game. So you can go ahead and hit the first time shot and draw a save out of the goalkeeper. And, you know, everyone's like, yeah, let's go. Let's keep. In these international tournaments, there's a chance you will not see that opportunity again in that game. And so I thought it was naive of him to just shoot like that. He is the marquee player in this team. Um, those are big moments. But his and shooting is not. Like, I've seen him with those I agree. before. And he, 
I th- like what they're I think that what they're saying in the, what we're saying in the punditry is that he was trying to sort of curl it in low to that to, to his left and he ends up getting it wrong which means it, go, it kind of goes high and it's not that like easily savable height but I've seen him with those chances like with Liverpool and it's like he, he, he just doesn't really like ever look that comfortable to kind of you know find the corner or have some composure for it yeah I think a lot of that just comes with what level of responsibility that chance is. And I think at Liverpool, it, he has very little mm-hmm. responsibility with those chances. It's more you know, he's creating, a left back marauding yeah. forward. You've bombed up 60 yards, ball comes to you, hit it one time. Oh, great save by the goalkeeper. Hey. But not for Scotland. You're not going to get that many opportunities. So you just need to be more careful with those. And I'm not saying he should have scored, but he should have, from my opinion, done something clearly a little bit more precise. Um and, and I think that level of precision is what Scotland were missing. Here's the beauty. Against England, it's a totally different game, right? It's, it is a derby. Right? Yeah. They, I feel and, like they just need to make it a kind of blood and thunder. Don't give England any space. Just break it up as much as possible and kind of play as much as possible into that kind of derby thing. Because if it becomes a football match and like England's sort of playmakers can play, then I think they'll get torn to shreds. So I think Scotland need to try to play the atmosphere and then the game and England need to try and play the game first and manage the atmosphere because England need to just go in cold, you know, do the right things, have some quality and they should win the game. But if Scotland turn it into one of those British Isle battles, (laughs) you know, then who knows? I I, look, I, I think Scotland have the spirit. They have nothing to lose. And We've seen England lock up a lot just because of just the pressure. And I mean, I'd love to know what you guys think about just the way people have been talking about every single decision and setup that the English have. I mean, Southgate doesn't matter who he starts. He's going to get questions of why he didn't start someone else. And this level of doubt. Yeah, I think there is a slight kind of tetchiness almost to England now because of this kind of media stuff and whereas it compares to like in 2018 there was very much a sort of crest of a wave and very kind of positive I think you saw also in like in Sterling's post match interviews like what do you mean I justified my selection there is like I think it somehow maybe Scotland can like get into this kind of slight frustration and you know England and also the whole thing with England and their fans and the booing of the taking the knee and this kind of creation of this kind of conflict I think there is like the potential for this to kind of somewhat maybe fall apart and the kind of the, the way things have always fallen apart for England. But on the other hand, I just think like Southgate is the perfect diplomat in how he kind of knits it all together. So you wouldn't want someone else to lead the England team right now. Yeah, that's a very good point. I, I mean, like you said, I think it's very much possible, but they do have, I think, the right leader in charge. But yeah, yeah. Th- this is what I think about that game. Is this, it's, right? I mean, Leon, what do you think? It, to me, it seems like... It's all about can England actually maintain what level they're supposed to be and mentally come clean into the game because Scotland can make this mess. Nah, I surely 100% agree. I mean, I mean, I feel like also against Croatia, you could see that England was all fired up at the beginning, but then towards the end of the first half, you could see that they were slacking a bit. It was not 100% effective. And if Scotland gets to that point and then brings in all the dynamism that that can evolve in a derby, then surely there's a there's a window of opportunity. I, I think so too. Yeah. 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 
But my, my frustration though with Scotland is just the way that the game against Czech Republic went, went. Like if they'd been able to win that game or even draw it, they kind of go into this game with England as with a bit of confidence. It's a bit of a free hit. It's a big day at Wembley. And there's not that much like expectation on the other tournament. But now that they've lost the first game, I feel like it just kind of, you know, I would feel slightly if there's a like go a goal behind that it could get kind of quite ugly. But then I wanted to talk about the other game this weekend with Portugal and Germany. And with this kind of resting that G- Germany kind of know that if they lose this, their tournament might be over. So do you think that Jogula will change much for this game, Leon? I, I don't think so. I think he is rather he's rather <laughs> consistent. Um, also, uh, in 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 Munich, there are not not that many beaches that he can walk along. Like in Brazil, uh, back in the, the days, inspiration. yeah, when he when he got the divine intervention. Maybe you just go to like a beer hall. Or yeah, something. yeah. No, I think I think he won't change much. I think in like overall the overall sentiment after the match against France was that we did what we came here to do, and France just was that to bit better because they've got unique players but if we continue to kind of perform on this level of proficiency and with these tactics then we are, we've got good chances so i think that's the spirit with which they're going to go in in into the match on, on saturday and i i do think they've got good chances that it that it works out against portugal yeah mm-hmm. i mean I, I i agree i mean i think i was more impressed with germany in defeat than i was with portugal in victory yeah. I, I assume most people were Portugal. Not many people were very impressed with what they were doing by no, half time, yeah. and I, I I think they deserve more credit than they got because they were playing away from home from sixty seven thousand Hungarians. It's not <laughs> exactly a tame no, environment. No. Um, I don't think but, enough of people paid attention to the home thing before in the preview for this tournament, like the and also like the differences to like some stadiums being full, like in Hungary and others being like half empty, right? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it's so many different situations. I think Holland are another team. They apparently, I think, are scheduled to play every game in Amsterdam until the semifinal. Something. I mean, that is insane. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's an amazing. So uh, the, the thing is, I'm actually enjoying this for the sole reason that this is the last. This is the only time they're doing it this way with this structure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's actually the perfect way for the Euros to happen after COVID. You just have it across Europe. Um, there's travel happening, right? People are able to move around. Uh, it seems like, you know, Euro 2021, by the way. Can I, can I call it that? It's so weird. <laughs> this Euro it's, yeah, I agree. I've gotten used to it by now. I'll yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the beginning, <laughs> it felt weird. Yeah. I have sure. heard commentators sort of get flummoxed yeah by that they're like and welcome back to euro 2020 on the 15th of june 2021 yeah. <laughs> so yeah i mean it, it it's been first of all it's it's been an amazing amazing tournament and i just think that especially with that game germany portugal what i think we'll actually see is the game this is the one that i think everyone has wrong everyone believes portugal will beat germany because i don't know that's the way everyone has decided it's going to go um because people have decided germany will finish third portugal second france first i actually think this is the match that everyone's got wrong i think germany will beat portugal to be honest they're more efficient um they know how to defend 
And Cristiano Ronaldo for a German defense is not that big of a problem. I mean, so far, never has um, been. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I don't. I actually really do see Germany winning their second game and making this group really bizarre. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before before you go, Sebastian, who was your pre-tournament favorite? Who was your who would you just who would you predicted to win the tournament? Was a Fra- I'm a France fan. So this is horrible. <laughs> like, like you know, my mother's from France. I became a France disciple in '98 watching Zidane. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I think prior to that, I was an England fan. You know, I, I loved uh, some of the players from that generation. But like, I mean, I love both. But the thing about having that target on your back of favorites, you're just like, well, now the only option for any kind of surprise is to lose. And believe me, we've seen, I mean, when France went into the 2002 World Cup, <laughs> everybody was like, I mean, I don't even see, no one can come close. Like this French team, they're, they're miles uh, beyond everybody else. They're the clear tournament favorites. They should win the World Cup again. And, and they were out in the group stage. Zero and, sports and Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it was, it was brutal. And so, yes, France, I think obvious tournament favorites, I think it's it'll be more it's more interesting to talk about the second one, and I think it's Belgium. Um, mm-hmm. I think Belgium are the second favorites to win the whole competition. They are stacked, and they're doing it without their two best players yeah. right now. So that gives a whole level of confidence to what the collective can do when you go out and you easily win a game without Eden Hazard, without Kevin De Bruyne, and you know that they're they're on the way in. So yeah they look yeah, i'm not sure russia were particularly good but they just look so controlled and like really like spitting together in that game yeah i think it's be super interesting to see how they do tomorrow against denmark because obviously we're living in in copenhagen and the whole christian Eriksen situation like how that will affect we don't know really how the danish team will kind of react no. to that tomorrow and i really actually on ground level being in denmark what general sentiment i mean is it pretty much the same as around the world shock horror happiness relief the combination of everything i don't know whether you want to take it first leon but i think it's still like a lot of shock but also kind of i think just for for the football i think people are like they don't really care like all expectations on the danish team are kind of gone now like i think before and everyone was super excited about because they've got like one of the best teams ever and like we're excited for what they can do in this tournament now i think people are kind of like pretty much you know it it's kind of understandable if they're not really yeah no sure yeah no i agree surely it put things into perspective and then suddenly football isn't the most important stuff in the world anymore um which is of course of course completely fair um but i do think of course also the loss against finland factors into this because i don't think many people see uh denmark winning against belgium and then that leaves you in a pretty tough spot right and I think also, like, broadly, there's still a, a, quite a bit of anger about them having to have played that second half. Yeah. And, you know, the, the way that kind of UEFA gave them two options that was play play that evening or else in 12 hours tomorrow morning and when you're not, when you were still, you know, not really exactly set. You know, what you mentioned, though, is really interesting. It's teams, because, you know, a competition like this, if you don't have a good, solid group, it doesn't really matter what your talent and tactics are. You need a good unit, a good solid together unit. And you combine everything that Denmark are going through 
and you add the, the layer of the fact that they clearly have a very good collective spirit. For sure. And now they're pissed. Yeah. Without their star. I mean, this is a team who could go and piss in the punch bowl for anyone that they come against, right? Because at this point, screw it. It's like, you know, the gods have just been entirely against you from the 43rd minute of the tournament. And now what? Right. And so I, I can see them really making life difficult for anyone they play against. I just think Belgium are just too good. Yeah. That's the thing. The thing, other thing is it is at home tomorrow and in the same stadium. And I'm just really oh. curious as to what the atmosphere will be like. At, at that game. It's going to be electric. It's yeah. going to be electric. They're going to, I mean, the fans are, they need to release. Yeah. They didn't get to party at all last time, last, last week. I mean, you know, that, that was a, the worst day you can ask for as a supporter in a ground. So they're going to want to really add as much. I, yeah, I think but, it's but it's a question. It's going to be a terrific It's game. a question, right? Whether you can just switch the from, from the one gear to the other just like within an instance or whether there's something like some, some, some ghosts still lingering around from the, from the shock and, and the, the things that have happened. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Thank you so much, Sebastian. Thank you for uh, joining us this morning for you. <laughs> Alex, Leon, I, it, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm really excited. I think um, I think what, what, where are we at right now? I think it's uh, halftime right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Russia, nil, Finland. So, Is it nil-nil? Yeah. It's still yeah, nil-nil. Okay, yeah. so, hey, good. We managed to do an episode during a Euro game. It didn't, didn't miss anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. No, 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 no. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Miranchik just oh. scored for Russia in the second minute of Oh, oh two, two. <laughs> if we stopped one question ah. ago, we would have been perfect. Ah. <laughs> but, you know, I think this is that is an absolutely perfect thing. This has been an amazing tournament so far. Every single day, every single game, there's a story that's just too much fun to not stick with. And, I mean, this is great, right? We just, we're like, oh, no, yeah. no, no, we planned this out for yeah. we didn't miss anything. Bang. <laughs> Oh, fantastic! Yeah. All right, fantastic. Well, m big pleasure, guys. Thank you guys so much, and and let's let's probably let's try and reconnect uh, maybe after the group stage or something like that. So do another, yeah, maybe actually awesome. put out some predictions when it's possible. When All right. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would be good. Have to but pick in between thirty the out of thirty-seven. No, I'd like that. I like that. Oh yeah, absolutely love it. All right, man. Awesome, gentlemen. All right. You too. Take it easy, guys. Bye bye. bye. Podcast Network.